0: Welcome to episode 147 of the Two Guys, a Glove, and a Coke Bottle podcast. He's Thomas Todd. He's Danny Zarchi. And we are never playing the Dodgers again. How does that feel? How
1: long is never? I can't remember.
0: I mean, in, in this in this uh, regular season, I should say. Also, we are not playing the Brewers, nor are we playing the Astros or any of the other teams that have given us a hard time uh, going forward. So... Oh, let's just take a deep breath. All right. You know, look up, um, embrace your inner, your inner, whatever, you know, feel, feel the breath into your heart and oh, the tough stretch is over.
1: How are your thirties going, Danny? Are you getting more? They're going
0: great. <laughs> are you getting more namaste on me? I, I was never all that namaste to begin with, so it wouldn't have taken much, but, uh, anyway, Things are pretty good after they were pretty bad. Uh how's your how have your two weeks been there Thomas? I mean really excellent. Uh started off with me getting to attend in
1: person my first Giants game since 2019 to see them at Shea, Shea Stadium. Wow. At city Field.
0: How's your uh, uh how's your teen and how, how are your teens going there Thomas?
1: Oh man. In 2009 we were full full-fledged adults when they switched over from Shea to city Field. But Uh, It was nice to see the boys in person. It was nice to see them sweep the Mets. And then things got a little hairy. Like you said, uh, things got worse before they got better. But here we are on a Monday night, Labor Day, laboring away one game ahead of the Dodgers in the NL West with 24 games to play. Jack Bauer is going to spend one hour every day for the next 24 days trying to fix this season for us.
0: So, uh, so like Thomas is saying, and we knew this was going to be the tough stretch of the season. Everybody, you know, like they say, circled it on the calendar, or whatever cliche you want to use. Uh, we went one and two in Atlanta. We went one and three uh, against the Brewers at home, and then we went up against the uh, the Dodgers in San Francisco and took two out of three. That was our savings grace. But at the beginning of the se- of the series against Atlanta, the Giants were up two and a half after all that they ended up just up one. So uh and for a moment there the Dodgers were in first place. They got as high as uh, tied for first. Well, they got as high as uh half a game up, but then the Giants played and the Dodgers didn't, so they ended up um they ended up tied. I guess the way you could say it is that there was never a uh so uh um so the worst that happened was the Dodgers were half a game up. Nature is healing. Everyone was happy. The Dodgers are good. The Giants are in second, where they belong. And then guess what? The Giants won uh, two out of three, and they're back in first.
1: So I was—I think I was asked about this by you or or someone else. It was why was it such a big deal to the national media that the Dodgers took over first place, or why was it a big deal to these specific writers that they had to bring it up that uh, finally it had happened. They had chased down the Giants and retaken first place in the NL West. And I said, it's because people enjoy having their expectations met. They like to be right. People before the season said, it's going to be between the Padres and the Dodgers. Those are the two best teams in the national league, if not all of baseball. And it hadn't really come to fruition that way. The Dodgers were just as good as everybody expected, but uh, the monkey wrench that got thrown into the system was the giants being this good. So that was the thing that was, uh, I guess, offensive to their senses. So. Uh, I guess we should apologize for being good, and then say you're welcome for being just bad enough to get caught, and then they could finally be smarmy and right and smug about their preseason predictions.
0: That, that story of my life, you know, apologize <laughs> for being good. <laughs> you've never said sorry to me. One, <laughs> <laughs> you've never deserved a sorry. Um, so, uh, and it's like it's. I know that we complain a lot about. I don't know, East Coast bias or the national broadcasting team when a game's on Fox or ESPN. But, like, they're so bad. They're just so bad. And uh, the Sunday night baseball against the uh, Giants-Dodgers um, was scheduled ahead of time before they knew that uh, that those two teams would be fighting for first place and would come into the game tied at first. So, uh, you know, pretty pretty prescient of them to make that as the Sunday night baseball game, but just watching that game with Matt Vascurgeon and a rod announcing, and they just don't have anything to say. They don't have anything to say. And like you said, when the script changes partway through the season, because a team's good that you don't think is going to be good. And you don't have the rivalry that you think you're going to have. They just, they, they can't adjust, you know, all of their, it, it just, it felt like all of Sunday night baseball's, uh, Cruz talking points were drafted in the beginning of the drafted before the season. And they didn't even think to maybe go back and say, well, huh, maybe we should talk about this, this good giants team.
1: Well, I mean, the narrative coming in, the the Dodgers have won eight straight NL West crowns of the reigning world series champions, whether some giants men acknowledge that or not asterisk or not. So that's the prevailing narrative is the Dodgers all of a sudden become the heavyweight. That's taken a huge punch. Can they rally to finish the bout and keep their title? So that's a much cleaner, easier, media-friendly narrative than this team, our team, the Giants, that doesn't have a history of losing. We're not a scrappy underdog. We have three World Series titles in the previous decades. We no longer have that going for us. There's no reason for them to create a narrative around our team. Uh, We know our team well enough to know that there are awesome stories within it. The Lamont Wade Jr. story alone is fantastic. Uh, Tyler Rogers' story is fantastic. Logan Webb, we'll talk about in a little bit, has a fantastic story. But those take a long time to penetrate the national media. You know, Logan Webb's going to get lots of attention before fantasy drafts next season. It's like the next time anyone's going to notice Logan Webb on a national scale. Because these things take time to sink in. Now, did you, are you including Tony Rondazo in as working for ESPN? Was that part of it? Tony
0: and Adam Hamari? Give me a break.
1: I have never, and you can look this up. I don't know. What, what, what site do you find all those umpire report cards on? What, what, um, what are those? Just
0: on Twitter. just a Twitter account that I follow.
1: Now it put out the report card and it shows you how the home plate umpire did for the game, showing you the actual strike zone, showing you the umpire strike zone for the game giving you a percentage of, of strikes that were true, that they called correctly, balls that were balls that they called correctly. And then at the end, they give this damning number, which is how did the um, home plate umpire's calls affect the game in expected runs created? Oh yeah. And I have never in my entire existence of like the last three months when I've known that these things existed, seen a plus 2.4 and change in favor of one t. This home plate umpire, Tony Rondazzo, created 2.5 runs for the Dodgers. Theoretical runs, that is, of course. The Giants still won the game 6-4. to four. But that's some of the worst umpiring I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. And let me just say also, full credit to Camilo Duval for not losing his shit after getting robbed of two straight strike threes against good hitters in a clutch situation. It's like, I mean, this is a young kid who's had control issues in the past. He throws incredibly hard and he comes up there and he just, he needed five strikes for each at bat and it's <laughs> and and he kept pumping it in there. And it was just like, like, Oh my God. Like the, to, to keep your composure like that. So the Twitter account is called Ump. there's ump analysis and then there's ump scorecards. Um, ump scorecards is the one that Thomas was talking about where they show the, uh, strike zone and where the, where the, Pitches were actually called. Um, Ump, uh, ump analysis. That's up at ump analysis. Also says this is Tony's worst game of the year. Tony Rondazo. This is Tony's worst game of the year based on overall accuracy. It's the 14th worst game across 2032 complete games for all umps. And so again, 14th worst on the season by any in any game between any team it is the worst since Greg Gibson. Greg Gibson's 85.83 percent pitches called correctly on august 7th uh, and with and that one had the highest favor for any one team at 0.279 this was 0.242 i have to say um no, i'm no, sorry Danny, 2.4 two point four two move that
1: decimal point
0: i have to say that the the number that they give you I, I haven't seen any sort of like white paper to back up where you know how they're calculating two runs based on a few you know missed strikes here and there but it's, but a big number is more egregious than a small number. Let me just say that.
1: I'm going um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do two things for Tony Rondazo right here. And the first one's not going to be to tell him to retire, which uh, is my inclination as a rabid baseball.
0: Save it for Stephen Breyer.
1: <laughs> it even rhymes with retire. Like, what are you doing, Steve? <laughs> like, it's right there in your name. It'd be a great headline. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of things for Rondazzo. And I'm going to say it's incredibly tough to call a nationally televised baseball game between blood rivals that are tied uh, in the division, because as much as you want to be the kind of person who is able to wash that all from your memory, he's a human being. He knows what's at stake. He he watches sports center. He has ears and eyes and feelings. So I'll give him that. The other thing I'll give him is that Kirk Casale sucks. And Kirk Casale dropped two strikes, uh, in critical situations that would have earned a strikeout for Doval. And it's really tough for an umpire to call a strike on a pitch where the catcher has to move their gloves significantly and then doesn't complete the catch. It's hard for them to see. It's hard for them to know. And it, it looks bad if they do call the strike because obviously it was a pitch that didn't go where it was supposed to go. Uh, it was out of control. So I'm going to do those two things for Tony Randazzo. Yeah.
0: Another thing I'll add on his in, in his defense is that it was a 4.05 game, 4.05 p.m. game, which meant that the shadows, and I know hashtag shadows, take a drink, whatever, but the shadows were really terrible. The batter's eye was, it, there was a ton of glare when the game started, and they talked a lot on the broadcast. This was the only time they actually mentioned the game that was being played on the field, but, but they they talked on the broadcast about how, you know, there are these situations where the pitcher is standing in daylight and the batter is not or vice versa. And so the ball, the pitch travels in the sunlight and then into shadow or again in reverse that. And it just becomes incredibly hard for the batter to see the ball and hit it. I think as soon as they said this, uh, a Dodgers hit or hit a home run or whatever, but still it's, it's incredibly hard. And, um, Just as it would be hard for a batter, I'm sure it's hard for an umpire to call balls and strikes, especially kind of pinpoint calls like that, um, when they have a hard time seeing the ball too. So again, that's what I'll say in his defense, but ultimately get your shit together, Tony.
1: Now, Danny, do, do machines have the same limited eyesight that human beings have? Are they affected the same way by shadows and light?
0: Let me ask you this. How comfortable would you feel walking across a crosswalk in front of a Tesla? That, that's on self-driving mode.
1: Oh, okay. I was like, I've walked in front of several Teslas and only a few have hit
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not perfect, but it's probably better.
1: I, we've talked about so much shadow and light. The word chiaroscuro is now in my brain, which is an obscure art term that I barely know the definition of. But we need to work uh, that into the episode title. <laughs> uh,
0: the last thing from UMP scorecards, or this is from UMP analysis. This is apparently the ninth game in which the Giants were... Not overall favored, so they were uh, not overall favored by at least one run. Meaning they were um, they were affected by the ump negatively to the effect of at least one run. Uh, The Giants have won all nine games.
1: All right, don't Um, call anything right. That's fine.
0: Whereas the league average for winning in such games when your team is not favored by the umpire is fifty three percent. This nine out of nine is more than that.
1: This statistic feels like the city connect jerseys where they're terrible, but we win.
0: So let's keep <laughs> doing it. The umpires Didn't are terrible. Lose? Didn't we finally lose a Tuesday game? I the
1: I still think they're like six and one or something.
0: Yeah. You know, they're growing on me.
1: Oh, stop it. They're literally creeping up on you as the logos <laughs> do on the Jersey.
0: Yeah. We lost We lost one of the brewers games on a Tuesday night. Oh, well got to retire them. Um, um
1: we should also say that we are talking Monday. The Giants have already beat the Rockies in game one of their three-game series. The Dodgers, I believe, held serve against the Cardinals. So nothing yeah, they, changes in the division, but we've already taken a jump into our uh next week of baseball.
0: Right. So I think the Giants are gonna win today. <laughs> That's my <laughs> prediction. Uh yeah. So both uh so the Giants are at 88 and 50, the Dodgers are at 87 and 51. And like Thomas said, that means there are 24 games left. Um, so let's just look back at a little bit of what uh, what we've seen. Um, so one of the key acquisitions at the deadline for the Dodgers was Max Scherzer, who we knew to be excellent. He uh, The Dodgers have not lost any of his starts, so that's been working out well for them. Great. Um, yeah, I'm really glad we get to face Max Scherzer.
1: How are the Padres doing without him?
0: Uh, well, remember when we thought they were going to go to the Padres, they're not doing yeah. great. Uh, they, they have, they have been hot recently and they fought their way back into playoff position. So, um, as of today, uh, and I don't believe the Padres have finished their game, but as of, uh, well, let me just, uh, this, this do really good radio here. In
1: MLB scores and maybe
0: the Padres didn't play today. Um, <laughs> Anyway, as of right this minute, when I look, the uh, the two wild cards are the Dodgers and the Padres. The Padres are one game up on the Reds, two games up on the Phillies, three and a half against Cardinals and four and a half against the Mets. Those are probably the only teams actually in contention for those two positions. Um, so uh, out of those teams, and let's just take for a given that we're hoping the Giants hold on to the division title. Out of those teams and the dodgers are going to have one of the wild cards who do you who do you want to see and who do you not want to see in that spot
1: i mean i'd rather see anybody but the padres honestly um in a, in a one-game scenario you don't want to see any team you don't want to be in a one-game scenario but if you do end up in the wild card uh having fernando tatis jr on the other side is terrifying I'm not particularly afraid of any of their starting pitchers. I don't. They don't have the Max Scherzer type where you're worried in a one-game situation that you're going to have zero chance. Um, I'm not afraid of the Reds. Not afraid of the Phillies. Yeah. Not afraid of the Mets. Yeah. I don't really feel that way about any of the other teams except for the Padres.
0: See, the Padres I, probably more than most of those other teams kind of are lacking that super ace. Um, I think Musgrove has basically had the best season so far. Um, but they've seen a lot of kind of underperformance from, uh, well, Blake Snell, who may just not be good anymore. Um, you know, not to mention guys like you Darvish. I mean, it's just, they've seen a lot of kind of mediocre pitching. Um, I mean, who would have thought that Jake Arrieta would come over and continue to be bad, but you know, Chris Paddock looked like he was going to be an all-star when he was a rookie. He's had a uh, almost five ERA to Nelson, the Mets been hurt. Ryan Weathers has been, been pretty bad. I mean, yeah. So unless it's Musgrove, you're kind of going against a average starting pitcher at best. Well,
1: and we're going to learn a lot about the Padres these next couple of weeks, because I believe we have two big series with them, a uh, the home and an away series. So I think we're going to have a little bit better idea of what they're looking like as a team when we get to watch uh, seven or eight games uh, with them
0: the we in fact have three series against the padres oh, snap three uh two at home and one in san diego which i will be attending in person um so uh i mean what one thing that was interesting early on in particular is that the padres had had a really good uh really good success against the dodgers and if you could if okay let's say the giants win the division and you want to pick the second wildcard team that has the best chance of taking down the Dodgers. I mean, maybe it's the Padres, but then the Padres kind of got, got schooled by the Dodgers recently. So it, you know, I think they got, yeah, they got swept in a three game series. So that's not great, but. It, the problem it, is,
1: is once again, Scherzer, that's who they'd have to face.
0: So. Right. And he's better than anyone the Dodgers had before that. And I mean, the giants can win against any of these Dodgers pitchers. I mean, you saw them kind of, Give Walker Bueller his worst start of the season and worst start in the last several seasons, but he's still really, really, really good as our, you know, all their frontline pitchers. And hey, Kershaw may even be coming back, so bully for them.
1: Yeah, what Bueller getting six runs hung on him on Sunday's game, despite as we talked about the umpiring issues. That was interesting because I believe in his previous starts against the Giants in his career had only given up four or five earned runs. So that was pretty stellar.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you've seen the giants kind of play down to their opponent, um, but you always like to see them kind of play up to their opponent too. Um, and don't worry though, the, the, uh, the pummeling did not, did not dissuade the the booth from talking about Walker Bueller's Cy Young chances. So I'm still glad we got that discussion in um, six innings yesterday. Uh, increased uh, Bueller's ERA from 2.05 to 2.31. So, wow. sorry, Walker.
1: He's creeping up to Logan Webb territory.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about Logan Webb. Logan Webb has been the best pitcher and probably the best, most consistent player on the Giants since the All-Star break. I mean, is that fair?
1: That is totally correct.
0: Um, a stat you put here is 14, 14 straight starts the two earned runs are fewer. His season ERA is down to 2.56. He uh, he was a little inconsistent pre-All-Star um, break, but he's just been nailed since then. And in the interviews, um, he he talks a lot about how kind of his, his turnaround has come because he's attacking the zone more. And if, when you watch him pitch, um, this is one of the favorite things that the announcers say, but he can't throw straight. Uh, everything he throws uh, you know, has massive movement on it. I mean, his fastball, I mean, his breaking pitches, everything just moves a ton. And so when you have a guy like that, who's just naturally really hard to move, really hard to hit because the ball moves so much, then you attack the zone and you figure that even though this pitch is in the strike zone, they're not going to be able to hit it very well because it's going to move so much. Um, and then once you get ahead in the count, you can kind of, throw the pitches that move even more and try to get them to chase. And obviously that's all worked just tremendously well for him.
1: So you're saying he's not going to go with Hunter Strickland's 2016 strategy of just throw the ball hundred miles an hour straight as an arrow in the middle of the zone. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I, no, I mean, it doesn't seem like that's uh, that was a good strategy for him and, uh, you know, would not be a good strategy for, for Logan here. Do you well, agree just- that J- Logan Webb looks like Jesse Plemons?
1: Oh, hundred percent. I think Kirsten Dunst is at home really confused about what she's seeing on SportsCenter.
0: Is Jesse Plemons married to Kirsten Dunst? Fact. I did not know that. That's such a weird combination. Isn't she like 15 years older than he is?
1: Well, he looks 15 years older than he is. So um, they met on Fargo season two, I believe.
0: I'm just trying to think about when Kirsten Dunst was relevant versus when Friday Night Lights was on.
1: I don't think she knew him until they were on Fargo together. So I don't think okay, she was to, I need to look for up. him.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, listeners, um, guess amongst yourselves. Tell your friends, do you think Jesse Plemons is older or younger than Kirsten Dunst and by how much? Oh, he's, uh, we'll significantly,
1: he's significantly younger than her.
0: Um, okay. But guess I, I guess by answer. how much?
1: I No, I already looked it up. It's six years.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. So Kirsten Dunst is 39. Jesse Plemons is 33.
1: Logan Webb is
0: 22, 24, 23, 24. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, just speaking based on war and again, pitching pitcher war is always weird uh, Webb's already up to 3.4 wins above replacement, according to uh, baseball reference, <clears throat> which is considering he hasn't pitched a whole year and only 112 innings. That's been pretty, pretty amazing. Um, I wish that I understood a lot of this FanGraph stuff to, to understand, like, which of his pitches have been good or bad? Do you understand any of this stuff,
1: Danny? We just watch the games. We're not here. We're not Mike Kruko. We're not here to break down all the grips and the the way that you you, you going into how much the ball moved around the zone was already forty percent more analysis than I'm comfortable doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so Logan Webb, though, and and one stat I do understand are are splits. So you want to talk about his first half versus his second half, first half, he had a 3.63 ERA in 52 innings. Um, his second half, 1.64 ERA in 60.1 innings. So, um, just an amazing turnaround, you know, his strikeouts are up, his walks are down his, uh, I mean, he's doing his whip is below one, which is incredible for a starter. um, do you think this is sustainable? Do you think we'll see this? Do you think he's going to be? Um, I mean, he. It seems like at this point he's going to be a, a massively important part of our of our playoff rotation. I mean, it's going to be if you're if you're Kapler and you're looking at September, is it going to be like Gossman, DeSclafani, Webb, and then pray for rain?
1: I mean, that's our current rotation. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We haven't mentioned this yet, but the series against the Dodgers over the weekend included two two, two consecutive two. bullpen games. Um, um, Alex great. Wood has Alex Wood has COVID Cueto's hurt and there is no starting pitching depth on yeah. this team I, I mean I what was waiting, interesting I kept waiting for guys I I had like kind of forgotten about to surface again so I go oh like that guy's name is like Aaron something or <laughs> oh yeah that that's another Sanchez guy yeah I remember him and no one has popped up
0: so what is uh, happening so I do have something to say about that which is that Um, Kapler chose to keep Sammy long in the bullpen rather than have him start one of those games. He would have been one of those guys, but um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the 40 man roster right now. And uh, I'm going to read you some names off of the 40 man roster. Um, Keep in mind, these are the ones who are not in the 25 man roster who are not injured. The 28
1: man Um, roster.
0: Oh yeah. Is that, is that how many there are? No. uh, Oh yeah. Okay. They're not in the 28 man roster. So this is who's left. These are the yeah, guys the, on the, the 49 dirt, The
1: dirty dozen, we'll call them.
0: Right. We've got Sammy Long, Reyes Moranta, who's, I think, still rehabbing. Um, Kevin, no, I'm sorry, Kervin Castro, who I have don't, not don't heard know of. Who it is. Don't know who that is. Um, Gregory Santos, who I have not heard of. I kind That's don't it.
1: Know who
0: that is. Yeah. That's it. It's tough stuff, man. There's no one else on the roster. I mean, I, I did like the. Uh, Jose Quintana pickup, he was, you know, extremely low cost, um, low risk. Jose Quintana is someone I liked, you know, five years ago and w- wanted the Giants to pick up. Um, and he's a guy who's a former starter, so he he can go a few innings. But, yeah, man, the, the the guns are dry.
1: Look, if the Giants were eight games up in the division, if they were in a similar spot to where the Brewers are now, where they're just, you know, hold on to your butts and, you know, ride out the rest of the season and wait for the playoffs to start so you can set your rotation. I'd feel a lot more comfortable. The Giants are locked in a dead heat with one of the best baseball teams that's ever existed. And they have three starting pitchers. Yeah. Sure, they're all pretty good, which is a relief. Uh, but relief is the key word here because we're looking at two bullpen games every single week until something changes.
0: Until Cueto or Wood or both come back, or they decide to trust Sammy Long in a starter role. Well, I mean, yeah, the reason, the
1: reason they didn't start Long is because every first inning against the Dodgers is a high leverage situation because they just come out guns blazing with their lineup. So he wanted Kepler wanted more experienced, high leverage relievers in the beginning of the game to get through those right. matters that he's terrified of.
0: But yeah, I mean, but you look at the uh, the Dodgers and. Once you get, so they've got Kershaw on the IL, Gonsalin is on the IL, um, Dustin May is on the their IL. He was a, a young guy they thought was going to be really, really good. Um, and then, uh, so their, their normal rotation, well, and obviously Trevor Bauer is on administrative leave for good reasons. Uh, so their intended rotation is down to Bueller and Urias. But who do they have? Uh, waiting in the wings, Max Scherzer, David Price. Um, I mean, Corey Kniebel started a, a game. I mean, he's not a starter, but he has started before. He'd start for us. <laughs> um, Corey Kniebel, he's, who's he's has will- he's 17 willing- innings this year.
1: He's willing and canable,
0: Danny. Oh, my God. You're off this show. Um, I mean, the Dodgers are facing the same sorts of problems that the Giants are, which is that uh, they're – they need they need extra arms, and a lot of people are getting hurt right now. But um, yeah, no, I mean, bold take. I too would feel more comfortable if the Giants had a big lead than if they don't have a big lead.
1: No, the bold take was contextual, Danny. It would be that I wouldn't be nervous about a thin rotation because the playoffs are going to shrink the rotation anyway. So yeah, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But we're locked in a pennant race. Uh, the way I agree, I agree up, with so. all that um and even when alex wood comes back you know he's not fantastic but he'll be able to soak up some quality innings and, and quay yeah kind of the same with him he's been up and down the last few years but at least you can throw him out there and and <laughs> make it so that Brebia and duval and guys that we just I, don't really trust get get innings
0: see but this is the answer to the question of why do they keep throwing out Brebia? because there's nobody else there's nobody else you know, and and that tells you also what the what the front office must have been feeling when they do something like cut Tyler Tyler Chatwood, um, because they cut him knowing that there is no depth. Like they're like, no, we'd rather not have this guy than than nothing. I mean, we'd we'd rather nothing than have this guy. He, he also wasn't um, very good, right? And though I mean, and but those are the guys that we're going to be able to pick up midseason. You know, like you don't. If Jose Quintana were still good, then he wouldn't have been cut.
1: Correct. Well, what, what's incredible, though, we talked about the lack of starting pitching depth and how some of the relief pitchers that are coming in are not exactly ideal. The lineup's been able to sustain some injury. Uh, you know, uh, Solano is out with COVID still. He's still in a New York hotel room because he can't leave. Oh, uh, Wilmer Flores is hurt. Austin Slater is in concussion protocol. Alex Dickerson was given... Time on the aisle for being bad at baseball? Question mark.
0: No, see, I I I mean, I think it was probably a real injury because Dickerson's actually been kind of hot recently.
1: Okay. All right. But either way, the offense has been able to sustain for the most part. Uh Duggar has come back. Uh Estrada hit two home runs today. Uh Mauricio Dubon had three hits today. So The Giants, offensively at least, have the depth to sustain the rest of this season, so it would seem, uh, from that side of the baseball field.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, let's just hope that, you know, Wood's COVID case ends up being fairly mild. I mean, I know uh, the reporting said that he was feeling pretty bad, which, you know, it's COVID, so... Makes sense. But um, hopefully he comes back. I don't even what is Guido's injury? I, I didn't I never saw that a, a knee strain, something like that.
1: I mean, he's an elbow strain. He's a large old man. Things hurt.
0: Yeah. As, as two. Uh, old I believe men it's an elbow th- strain, an uh, elbow strain of some type. As but yeah,
1: also in their 30s and with significant body mass. It's hard to keep everything feeling good at the same time.
0: All right. Here's a question for you is, uh, I want to play a game with you, which is called, is this player older or younger than us?
1: Correct. Let's do it.
0: Um, let me pull this up. There's
1: no game show music.
0: Da, da, da. No, we don't want to get, uh, we don't want to get a DMCA thing.
1: Is, is, that, is that guy from the Beastie voice? <laughs>
0: um, he, all right. I thought he passed away. Oh my God. Did you hear about Michael K. Williams? I did. Yeah. That's very oh, that's sad. So sad. All right. Johnny Cueto is the first, first contestant.
1: Johnny Cueto. Oh, then me or you?
0: Um,
1: I'm older than you.
0: So, so how old are you? You're,
1: I will be 35 in a couple of weeks.
0: Okay. I turn, I'm about 34 and four months.
1: You're about 34.
0: (laughs) I'm 34 and four months. Okay. So Um, let's say older than you.
1: Johnny Cueto is older than
0: me. He is. He's 35 um and and then some february 1986 nailed it all right all right um buster posey younger um that is correct um okay this is this is the uh this is one oh, of is the he? ones why it's important to ask he's in between us uh he was born in march 1987 so that was, he's older than me he's younger than you um brandon crawford younger um brandon crawford is in fact uh january 1987 and your birthday is what month?
1: October eighty six.
0: October eighty six. All right. Hmm. I was. See. I,
1: I was not the kid on the cover of the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, having just eaten a bunch of ice cream, praying that the Giants wouldn't leave town. But I could have been.
0: <laughs> um, Evan Longoria. Evan Longoria is
1: older than I am.
0: He's he is he's in fact older than Johnny Cueto. October eighty five. October seventh eighty five.
1: I believe, though, that I'm older um, than Alyssa Nacken.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Aly- Alyssa Nacken's pretty young. Um, wh- wh- All right, what's, uh, what's the
1: name of Qua- what's the name of Capler's right hand man? His name is escaping me.
0: Um, Kai. Correa. Yeah, Kai Correa.
1: I feel like I'm older than Kai Correa too.
0: <laughs> you probably are. Um, Kirk Cassali. Uh,
1: I am older than Kirk Cassali. So.
0: Cassali, yeah, November '88. Um. Tyler Chatwood.
1: He, he, ooh. See, this is tough because I haven't really followed much of his career. I'm going to say that uh, I'm older than Tyler Chatwood.
0: Yeah, he's in fact the youngest so far. Uh, no, December 89. Um, this is fun.
1: I don't, I don't think there's anyone else on the roster. Mauricio Dubon. Older. He's like 12.
0: Um, let me see. Uh, I can actually sort by age here. Um, Jake McGee.
1: I am older than Jake McGee.
0: Um you are not older than Jake McGee. Oh, August oh. eighty six.
1: Oh, a couple of months. You got me, Jake.
0: Um, all right, Darren Ruff.
1: I am older than Darren Ruff, but not. But he's like thirty three, right?
0: He's thirty five. July oh, eighty six. Snap. Yeah, he looks great.
1: Oh, good for him. We uh, share yeah, a beer. July
0: July twenty eighth,
1: nineteen eighty six. Uh, I am older than Kai Correa. July eighty eight. He's
0: thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some Darren Ruff trivia for you. What team was he originally drafted by? And can you guess the year and the round, if you want?
1: The Seattle Mariners. No. I I give up.
0: He was drafted by the Phillies in 2009 Hmm. in the 20th round. Nice job, Darren. This is, of course, by far his best season. Um, Thanks, Thanks, Danny. (laughs) And uh, to take us home, Tony Watson.
1: I'm younger than Tony Watson.
0: Uh, You are, in fact. Tony Watson, May 30th, 1985.
1: Okay, Uh, almost significantly.
0: And uh, last but not least, Gabe Kapler.
1: I am younger than Gabe Kapler.
0: You are. He's 46. Again, looks great.
1: I showed it. There was that picture of him floating around of him like in workout gear and all veiny and whatever. And I showed that to Ashley and I definitely (laughs) should.
0: This could be you. Um, all right, some some little trivia. Um, one other major league player who had a, a, productive, a productive career was drafted in the 20th round of the 2009 draft. <laughs> Name them.
1: <laughs> this is why I write the trivia nights and you attend the trivia nights.
0: Um, in fact, picked six picks before Darren Ruff in the 20th round. Uh, J.D. Martinez.
1: Oh, okay. And he, is he out of baseball?
0: Uh, no, he's doing great. Okay. okay. Is he in the American is... League? He's he's on he's on the Red Sox. Yeah, he's oh. got a he's got an 868 OPS this year. They're 25 the, homers.
1: The American League for me is like it might as well be the the Korean Baseball League.
0: <laughs> so you're the you're reverse uh, Bill Simmons.
1: Correct. Well, I only like I've said I've mentioned this on the show. I really only see the teams the Giants see. Yeah. Because I don't do any outside research. I don't watch any other baseball. I no one has cable, so I don't watch Sports Center. You don't so play I, fantasy? Like, I don't play fantasy, so I miss all of these things. I really only know the players that come through the Giants, and it's been a while since we played the Red Sox.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. I will, however, however,
1: possibly attend the Yankees-Red Sox wildcard game if it happens.
0: That'd be fun. Because it it Um, looks
1: like it might be in the Bronx, which is an hour from my apartment if I walk.
0: Yeah. No, that would be fun. Have you been to New Yankee Stadium yet? I have not. I've been to Old Yankee Stadium
1: a couple times as a kid, but I've not been to New Yankee Stadium. Obviously, walked. I've heard driven- it sucks. I mean, it's not the hallowed ground that original Yankee Stadium was. I don't know how it would ever live up to something like that.
0: Yeah, but I hear it's also just kind of lame. Um, anyway, so uh, we talked about Logan Webb. Um, two other uh, nice milestones: Brandon Belt and Mike Stramski both hit uh, exceeded twenty home runs. They're actually both at twenty one. Uh, at time of recording uh, this is um the first time brandon belt has exceeded 20 home runs in a season even though um we've all kind of known that he could do it this whole time it's just always been injuries just
1: what and he's even been injured this season he's only had i think less than 300 at bats
0: yeah i mean it's brandon belt is kind of going to go down in giants history as a big what if because he's had a great career and his um i think i i've tweeted out a stat a week or two ago comparing him to other, to the offensive war of other giants players historically. And he's in like the top 30 or something like that. I mean, he's like, he's one of the better giants hitters in their history, but like, he's just had such weird luck and so many injuries that aren't like quote unquote, unquote, injury prone injuries. You know, it's not like he has a knee that keeps, you know, keeps buckling or something like that. He's just, it's always, it's been like hit by pitches that give him concussions. I mean, hit by pitches that break his hand, uh, hit, hit by pitches that do other weird things to him. I mean, like, um, I mean, and he's had a really good year so far. He's batting, he's got an 883 OPS. He's got 21 homers, but like looking through his, his career, um, starting in 2012, he's had three seasons. He's, he's had, uh, four seasons where he had at least 145 games, uh, played, but that means he's also had five, well, not not counting last year. So he's had four where he played fewer than that. Um, of course, again, not including last year's uh, um, COVID-shortened season. Um, so, yeah, like it's really hard when you don't play a ton of games to stay in a good rhythm and, of course, just to have an output because you're not getting enough swings.
1: Well, and here's the thing with Belt. It's okay not to live up to your potential. When your potential is five-time All-Star mainstay at a position for a team that wins three world series like that was his potential to be a guy that goes down in Giants history as one of the best first basemen we've ever had and he didn't quite get there but that doesn't take away from the floor of his career which is he could have been Daniel Ortmeyer.
0: yeah so he's gonna he's gonna well right now according to baseball reference he's got a 162 game average of three point four wins above replacement, which is very good. It's a nice if player. every if every player, if if you have players at every position who are generating three point four wins above replacement, then you've got a playoff team, you know. So he's been in a, a well above average player his whole career. And, you know, yeah, there were a lot of kind of lofty goals for him because we saw how good he was, how you know, that combination of a great eye and just killer power and with good defense. But um, I mean, sometimes just weird injuries happen and then they happen over and over again. And it's just been really, really sad to kind of see that happen to him.
1: We also don't have to give the trophies back and we also don't have to melt down the trophies and assign bits and pieces of them to different players. So like, well, we're not going to give Mike Fontenot credit for winning three world series with us because he didn't, we didn't. The year he won, we didn't <laughs> melt down that trophy, and give him like the world's tiniest piece, and then give a big chunk to Buster Posey. Like that's not how it works, you know. He contributed to three, or sorry, two World Series because I don't think uh, he contributed to the 2010 effort. But, that's correct. Um, I'll correct myself there. But you know, we don't have to give those trophies back. We got we got those. Thank you, Brandon. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Can I quickly transition though? Did you hear that conversation with Vasgersian, A. Rod, and Buster only about? How many Hall of Famers were on the field?
0: Oh, my God, I did. And they included uh, Kenley Jansen.
1: Which uh, I've been kind of anti. I'm pretty anti Kenley Jansen just as a human because I'm forced to root against him like 15 times a year. Brandon Crawford. Are you kidding me, Buster? Oh, the Veterans Committee may give him a look. No, stop it. Stop it, Buster. Shut up. Don't do that to me. I love Brandon Crawford. (laughs) If he goes into the Hall of Fame, shut it down.
0: Oh, you're you're anti-Brandon Crawford in the Hall.
1: Yeah. Are you pro?
0: Uh. Okay. Let me ask you this: Do you give any credence to uh, narrative, to uh, you know, to trophies, to gold gloves, to you know, MVP votes, stuff like that? Does that play? Does that do anything for you in the uh, Hall of Fame discussion, or do you just look at kind of output?
1: Crawford wasn't the best three, one of the best three players on any of those championship teams.
0: So. You don't melt down the trophy. We just talked about that.
1: Right. But when you're considering someone for the Hall of Fame, you don't just start counting trophies because that gets someone like Robert Ori in the NBA Hall of Fame or John Sally because you're like, oh, he won seven titles. Something went right.
0: I mean, Derek Jeter was never the best player on his team. Yeah, he was. No, there was always somebody better than him.
1: No, he was at least in the top three at any given time and had a ton of clutch hits in the world series.
0: So, so let's talk a little bit because you took us down this road. Let's look at Brandon Crawford's hall of fame case. Again, oh, if God. he stopped playing today, Wait, is Jay Jaffe um,
1: coming on? Is this, am I being,
0: so I'm looking at uh baseball references, hall of fame section. Um, they have Crawford at 28.4 career wins above replacement. His seven year peak is 25.8. This is so interesting. Um, Uh, They have a 27.1 Jaws uh, and 3.2 wins above replacement per 162, which is ironically the same as Belt. Um, An average Hall of Fame shortstop, 67.8 career war compared to Crawford's 28.4 and 43.2 seven-year peak compared to Crawford's 25.8, 55.5 Jaws, which I don't know the calculation for Jaws, compared to Crawford's 27.1 and 4.9 wins above Placement per one sixty two compared to Crawford's thirty two or three point two, so that would agree with you. That 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 would uh, advocate in favor of him not having a good hall case. Do you think he's a one and done though? Yes. Okay. Anyway, right to a, t- he
1: just said he's a third of the way there. I mean, he's, he's, he's still young. He's thir- He's younger than me.
0: Yeah, older. He's than older me. than you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's he's not a girl, but not yet a woman.
0: Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that would seem to indicate that he's unlikely to make it even with a few really good, few more, really good, um, uh, seasons, but I was more offended that they had Kenley on there. Do you think Kenley Jansen has a hall of fame case more than anybody else on the, on the Giants squad, like, like Longoria?
1: That's interesting. I think I don't, I, I wouldn't really be able to separate the two if you if you had to ask me who's had the better career kenley jansen or evan longoria wait
0: oh, wait go ahead yeah i'm raising my hand here can, can, can you Danny. call on me Danny, um, go ahead evan Longoria's had a better career okay uh kenley jansen again pitcher war relief pitcher war but he's had a uh above replacement in his career of
1: 17.4 it's really good for a relief pitcher
0: yeah uh it's just not it's not the same as being an everyday starter. For how many? How
1: many? Well, so do you just not put relief pitchers in the Hall of Fame?
0: Uh, unless they're, you know, Mariano Rivera or Trent, um, Trevor Hoffman or something, and it's so really hard them, to make you, a case.
1: You treat them like kickers in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, Longoria has forty-seven, has uh, fifty-seven point two career wins above replacement. That's no yeah. contest.
1: But you can't put a, a starting third baseman's wins of replacement over a relief pitcher. It's just not, it's not, they don't get the same amount of time. In the I, game.
0: I just did. And so, uh,
1: so what you're telling me is that Kenley Jansen, if he wanted to get to your standard, should Shohei Ohtani himself, he should be out in I the I mean, has he tried? The, and then come in every ninth inning and try to close the game out. Just because, I mean, also, the, thing, just because the thing he happens to be good at and the, the, the role that baseball has carved out for guys like him doesn't contribute enough to your overall valuation of baseball based on this arbitrary statistic you're pulling up?
0: No, I mean, Kenley Jansen, I am not. I don't have a problem with with uh, the very best at the position making their way into the Hall. I don't think Kenley Jansen counts.
1: Cool. Me neither. But, like, I wouldn't be able to tell you he has a better or worse case than Evan Longoria, who I also don't think is a Hall of
0: Fame. Well, I think if you look at Longoria's numbers, then you'll see <laughs> that, that he actually is. that. Um, and I'm not going to run through these, but the Hall of Fame – comparison in the jaws for uh for Longoria is much 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 closer to um than Crawford even I mean he probably will need to have a few more pretty good seasons but uh, but he's basically un- unlikely, there. That, unlikely that. I mean it, it, he's having a great year this year it's just he's been hurt a lot so if he kind of stays with you know Kapler's uh load management system and massive platooning i mean i think he's going to get there i think a lot of these old guys are going to get there and i mean are going to have continue to have good seasons okay okay
1: okay um speaking of old guys hitting um i wanted to talk a little bit about your burgeoning softball career
0: (laughs) yes so uh i've been playing a lot of softball ever since i moved to san diego in april um for some reason so i play a few times a week probably like usually like three or four times a week. Um, just in pickup games and rec leagues and stuff. Um, I'm not good at a lot of things. Uh, I can't throw very well or accurately. I have no range. Um, I'm a slow runner, but uh, but I can hit some frozen ropes. Let me tell you, um, I hit my first home run of the, uh, since I moved basically on Saturday, and then I hit two more today. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, when you go to these games, there some of those guys, Hit, you know, home runs, like, every time. Um, but uh, but this is my first, and my second, and my third. And it feels good, especially when I'm not contributing anywhere else on the field.
1: So you're, like, Jim Tomey, age yes. 41, just, like, coming out and mashing taters?
0: Exactly. If like, Jim Tomey also, like, couldn't catch the ball when people threw it to him at first.
1: <laughs> what position do you play defensively?
0: Uh, usually, I mean, often first I've been trying to get in reps at like second, just to kind of get more fielding practice and stuff. Cause it, in a pickup game, you know, people are fine letting you experiment at your non-optimized position.
1: What a, what a privilege for you. This makes me upset because second base was the position I always wanted to play. Yeah. But I'm not allowed to, do you know why?
0: Cause you're lefty. Cause
1: I'm freaking left handed See
0: at Pickup yeah. games. People let lefties play, play the infield.
1: I didn't even, I wasn't asking for a lot. I wasn't asking to be shortstop. I don't have the range. I don't have the arm. But second base, I could handle.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly my thought, too, is I want to play the infield. I want to play non-first position, um, you know, just to get some reps. But I don't have the arm or the range for, I don't have the range for short or the arm, and I certainly don't have the arm for third. So, uh, you know who base. does,
1: though? Your old, your old high school buddy, uh, John Perkle. Heck of a, heck of a player on Who? the side of the infield. John Perkle, Albany high. Oh, I remember Oh, Perkle.
0: My God. I haven't heard that name in years. Yeah, He, he worked worked was a year me behind Woodstocks. me.
1: Yeah. He worked with me at Woodstocks and we played in a, uh, played in a league and he was our starting shortstop and third baseman. Heck a of an arm. A heck really? of an arm. Yeah. And he's a bit, he's a big guy too. Like he smokes a lot of cigarettes, drinks a lot of beers.
0: <laughs> let me look him up on a baseball reference.
1: Yeah, but way way more athletic than the two of us. I'll tell you.
0: That. I actually did go to high school with a guy who ended up having a major league career. Or I mean, a minor minor league career. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, I went to high school with the son of Mitchell Page. You know Mitchell Page? I do not. Uh, he was an A's player for a few years. Uh, I mean, he I mean he had a, a great career, and I think most uh, notably locally, he was with the A's for a few years
1: you know know who went to my school st louis cardinal's legend ray langford oh interesting we we didn't have Um, many posters up but grayson davis high in modesto california we had ray langford
0: okay um okay yeah mitchell page came up with the a's was with the a's for seven years and uh came second in the league in rookie of the year uh, in 1977 and his son went to my high school nice
1: any other life updates you want to give before we look forward on the schedule
0: um i don't know man things are pretty good pretty pretty relaxed i'm i love being in san diego it's hot but i i can handle it should be cool um, enough, right? uh it's been a little cooler but it's you know it's still occasionally pretty hot um no i don't know things are good how about you uh pretty good just got back from washington dc did saw some
1: of the sites uh actually got the week off from work due to a labor dispute which we can also uh mention oh happy here labor here day at the end of the show yeah happy labor day we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second but uh, got to go to some of the smithsonians got to see uh washington monument um saw the white house from very far away
0: had you been um, to dc before
1: no i'd only driven through uh on i-95 i'd never stopped and seen those so oh, nice. just spending a couple days there was cool and we got danny I, I know we're old guys so now we talk about the weather but we got west coast weather like in the swamp oh like, it was 70 it can be, it 70 can get,
0: it can get very it, humid in dc
1: it was 75 and sunny with no humidity there was intermittent breezes it, it honestly felt like i was back on the west coast and it was such a relief because it's been so hot lately just, that
0: sounds excellent
1: uh, It was, it was a great vacation. So, um, but we should talk briefly because it is labor day, uh, that the concessions company that provides workers at Oracle park, which are not related to the San Francisco giants organization. They are hired
0: subcontractor. Yeah. They
1: work for a company called bone appetit, which is actually a small portion of a larger British company named compass. I think I'm getting these right. I tweeted about this earlier today. Um, those workers voted uh, 97% to go on strike. Uh, It did not end up happening this weekend, but it could happen on the next homestand. I imagine you're a little more lawyerly than I am considering you're an actual lawyer. Um, (laughs) But I just want to throw it out there that obviously we support uh, all workers' rights and they're looking for hazard pay, back pay, uh, and more protections from COVID because a significant number, I believe 20, of their employees have contracted COVID uh, because they've had to go back to work and the conditions haven't been ideal. So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there that we support it. Uh, there are already people out there accusing Giants fans of crossing the picket line by going to Giants games and they need to shut up uh, first of all. And then second of all, you should support the workers, but uh, we're going to wait and see what happens with uh, with this strike.
0: So just to be clear, you're saying shut up because they're not actually on strike, but is that right? Or because yeah, the, you don't well, consider going to a game to be crossing a picket line?
1: I, I don't consider uh, while a, a, a union is deciding what to do, going to a giant. I don't consider that. Cross, there's not a picket yet.
0: So so if they go on strike, then would you consider going to a game to be crossing the picket line?
1: Um. Yes, I would.
0: Yeah, so but uh, I also
1: wouldn't I wouldn't harangue anyone on Twitter for it, which I know well, is the default setting for Twitter. But
0: yeah, I mean, so uh, just talking about Bone Appetit, um, I, I saw one of the other complaints is that if they don't work a certain number of days in a given month, and they lose their health care. But sometimes the number of days that they work in a month is dictated by the company or uh, dictated by the number of events that are happening, including baseball games in that month and. Um, there were situations where people might have been out for an injury or for an illness and lost their health care as a result, stuff like that. Um, these are all just massively, uh, unfair and in- inequitable, um, policies that, um, that the union is, is doing their best to fix or to, uh, to obtain better deals on. And, and we, we highly support that as well as things like pay increases. Um, the giants, uh, have not, been had not had a good look uh, about it because they say stuff like, Oh, these are our subcontractors. We have no control over it. You do have control over it. Let's just be clear. Charles Johnson is a multi-billionaire who supports all kinds of terrible things. Um, The giants are, you know, multi-billion or at least a billion dollar franchise in terms of value. They make a huge amount of revenue. They have a huge payroll, Um, they have some control over this and they can exercise some influence at the very least to get their subcontractor again, to have better policies. Um, Or get a new subcontractor. Yeah, exactly. So um, concessions workers are incredibly hardworking. They are at risk, just like a lot of other people who uh, have worked customer service throughout the pandemic. Um, So we, we highly, we support the union. We support people, we support them going on strike. We support people um, abstaining from uh, spending money on the Giants um, in in solidarity or in protest. So but let's um, leave
1: each other alone on Twitter just for a second, just for like a hot. Set.
0: I don't think you understand Twitter. I think that's the problem here.
1: I don't think it understands me. I don't get quite enough likes and retweets that I think I deserve.
0: I mean, that's your, it, I think if people want to uh, express their outrage about about it and, and um, feel that people should not be spending money with the Giants in, in the interim, then, you know, it. you can put it on Twitter. It's just, it's all part of the, it's part of the ether now. Um, so. Let's move on to uh, a, a, another highly controversial topic, which is, of course, power rankings.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> um.
0: Uh, no, I'm just saying that because the article I was reading I, I had pulled up about Bon Appetit um, also has a power rankings attached to it. And it should be noted that this was uh, written before today's games um, in number in first place, the Giants, San Francisco Giants this is on CBS Sports. They have the Giants. Um, and he, what what the writer said is, I don't think a single projection had them winning 85 games all season. Um, With four weeks to go, they've already exceeded that. Then we had Dodgers, Rays, Brewers, Astros, et cetera. So uh, finally, 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 um, now that they've actually lost a few games and it's much tighter, we're seeing some power rankings low. So let's talk about going forward. Uh, The Giants won their first game at Colorado. They have two more at Colorado. Then they're going three games at Chicago. Home for four games against the Padres home for three games against Atlanta that will take us yeah, through two weeks um then after that more stuff will happen which we'll talk about later we, um, we assume
1: we'll have another show no promises
0: no promises so uh taking into account that they won today's game that is gonna be five more games on the road and then seven uh and then seven games at home um the five games on the road are gonna be against much easier teams. The seven games at home will be against much more difficult teams. Um, What's your prediction for the next 12 games?
1: Um, My prediction for the next 12 games is that the Giants go seven and five. I believe they're going to stumble again against Atlanta. Um, I think they're going to lose one of these games at Coors. um, And I think they split with the Padres and go two and one against the Cubs. I believe that gets me to seven and five.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to be a little more optimistic than you, uh, I think they're going to sweep the the Rockies. I think they're going to take two out of three against the Cubs. So that brings me to four wins. Um, I could see a a Padres split, so six wins, and then two out of three against the uh, Braves. So I think that brings me to eight wins, so eight and four.
1: Trivia question, Danny. What is the Giants' magic number to clinch the division?
0: Oh, okay. Wait, so they're... You need to get it within,
1: within two to get a point.
0: Well, if there are 24 games left and they're up by one game. So I don't know how that helps me. Um, (laughs) It should give
1: you the answer, but you're bad at math. So I'm going to watch you struggle.
0: I am in fact, not bad at math. So if the giants won 24 games, then it wouldn't matter what the Dodgers did because no matter what they would come up one game short. So I think it's 24, is it 24?
1: It's 24, Jack Bauer approves. All right. Let's let's get you back (laughs) to CTU, Danny.
0: Um, all right. Well, so that's what we have to look forward to. Hopefully the giants work out some of their rotation issues. Um, it was nice to see Gossman pitch well today, but, uh, yeah, we need, a we need a fourth and a fifth starter. I wonder if Quintana is going to start one of these games, um, or if we're going to do kind of what they did, which is, uh, put in a reliever for the, you know, high leverage first, and then kind of do kind of an opener, even though the, the guy he's opening for isn't a proper starter. He's more of a long relief guy.
1: I can't decide if Bruce Bochi's sitting at home wishing he was here to make all these moves, or he's glad that he doesn't have to deal with all of this crap.
0: Tearing his fucking hair out. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, That's something they talked about on the broadcast a lot too yesterday was, you know, is, uh, are you going to have a team in the off season kind of back up the truck to Bochy and beg him to come coach their, you know, young team, like wouldn't the white Sox be just acres better with uh, Bochy than La Russa, for example.
1: Uh, I don't think that's a really high bar to clear. Danny.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's, that's what we're here for talking about baseball and shitting on Tony La Russa. He's Thomas Todd. I'm Danny Zarchi. Do not follow us on social media because you know, just don't. Um, but we'll be here hopefully every two weeks and uh, the giants have uh, it's time for the giants to take advantage of some, some bad teams and build the lead. So, and I do giants. have service industry oh.
1: experience, but I'm no scab. I'm no scab.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you, um, I, I completely agree, but um, scab is one of those things where like the PR campaign has been successful. Like the fact that, you know, Strike replacements have been universally labeled as scabs. Is just like somebody did a very good job at uh, at at marketing and branding that term. Well,
1: so, so, uh, sores and boils was
0: taken. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sores and boils. We'll we'll see you later. Go Giants. Go Giants.